Hello, my name is Jason Barnwell. I work on legal business operations and strategy for Microsoft. Today, we're doing something a little bit different. Our colleague, Gloria Hong, Director and Corporate Counsel for Litigation with Starbucks Law and Corporate Affairs Department, reached out asking to just have a conversation about how we think about certain aspects of our programs to help our outside counsel bring more diversity to the work they do for us. So we had a call with our colleague, Jennifer Ivan, Assistant General Counsel for Enterprise Experience and Management and Microsoft 365 Security and Compliance. In addition to having a very full day job, Jennifer also leads our diversity and inclusion efforts. So we had uh, an unstructured and rambling conversation where Gloria got to ask us questions and we did our best to answer them. Our goal in doing this is to give people a little bit of insight into how we think and how we operate. But we also are trying to give a little bit of our playbook away. And so hopefully this gives other folks some sense of the things that they can do to work more effectively with their outside counsel to create more value from those relationships and bring more DNI into the mix in the process. So with that, we jump into our conversation. Well, Gloria, thank you so much for making time to chat with us. We really appreciate it. Um, so the the context for what we're talking about today is Starbucks is one of the most advanced uh, legal organizations that we have dealt with uh, with respect to thinking about how to make diversity a very real thing uh, when engaging with your outside counsel partners. Uh, Jennifer Ivan uh, and I had the privilege of joining you on your campus uh, last year for the uh, Washington Initiative for Diversity Diversity Stakeholder Gathering. You guys were fantastic hosts. And so um, that was just a, a wonderful experience for us. And you had some questions that you wanted to put forward to us. And so we're here to answer your questions. So I'd say fire away. Great. I, first of all, I want to say thank you to both of you for taking the time um, to speak with me about this um, important subject, I think, um, outside council diversity. Um, I would like to talk to you about the tools and programs that Microsoft uses to improve diversity in the legal profession, but specifically with outside counsel, um, the law firms that Microsoft uses. Um, and I would love to hear more about sort of the incentives and disincentives that Microsoft uses. Um, I just had a few background questions first. So first, could you tell me for both of you what your roles are with respect to this effort? Sure. So as Jason mentioned, my name is Jennifer Ivan. I lead diversity and inclusion for CELA, which is Corporate External and Legal Affairs for Microsoft. And as a part of that role, uh, within the umbrella of that role, includes what we call our Law Firm Diversity Program, or LFDP for short. Um, okay. And I partner. And I partner with Jason in how we think about and strategize about the whole LFDP. So, Jason? Sure. So, I'm Jason Barnwell. Uh, my primary role is in helping to support our engagement with outside counsel, and I also lead a team that provides uh, legal operations support uh, on a more generalized basis uh, across the department. We also have many specialty operations group. So, that nets out to my, my – <laughs> We, I'm on a team and we help support uh, Jennifer make our initiatives, our programs and initiatives to support uh, really more diversity and inclusion uh, with our outside counsel partners. We, we help turn that into programs and we try to help make them scale. And ideally, we try to bring more data into that uh, approach so that we can have hypotheses and test them out and see what works and see what doesn't work. That's great. And I'd love to hear more about that. Um, 
How many firms, law firms, does Microsoft use just ballpark? So globally, uh, in any given year, um, we can work with up to 600 uh, law firms, which is a huge number. Um, but part of the reason that that number is so very large is we have a long tail of partners. In many instances, uh, a, a huge number of those firms do a very special thing in a very special place. And so that number uh, is probably a little bit misleading because we tend to have uh, concentrated spend with a much smaller number of uh, partners. So it probably looks like a like an inverted power curve. Uh, so lots and lots of engagement with a, uh, a few partners um, and then less engagement spread with a lot of partners. Okay. And that the law sense. firm diversity program itself uh, only applies to what we call our strategic partner providers. And that number is now at 13. Correct. Okay. And how do you define strategic partner provider? So our SPP program builds on a hypothesis, which, you know, in, in brief says, try to concentrate your work with a smaller number of partners, teach them more about your business, get them more deeply and invested and engaged uh, so that we can create more value from those engagements. And so our, our panel firms are primarily focused on our U.S. domestic spend, uh, and they tend to represent a large portion of that spend. And so those those 13 firms that Jennifer referenced, they do a lot of our work. And so that gives us a lot of repeat play. And so we can do things like LFDP with them because it tends to be an engagement that's, you know, looks backwards many years, hopefully it looks forward many years. And um, we're working on these things with them together. Okay. Um, what are your typical fee arrangements? And I only ask um, with respect to, you know, how that plays in with respect to the incentives and disincentives. <laughs> So we have many varieties of fee arrangements, but uh, <laughs> so I think at this point for uh, our, we're probably running 70 plus percent uh, what we would call alternative fee arrangements, um, especially with those panel firms. So that is uh, fixed fee, that is, uh, you know, phase, that is many varieties of, um, of work uh, spend models that don't have a pure uh, hourly billable model. Um, but, uh, and I, I don't want to preempt uh, Jennifer, uh, and just note that for all of the fee models that we use, LFDP does apply. Okay. How does Microsoft define diversity? With respect to outside counsel, and I just want to, I, I, to the extent it's any different, right? And internally? Right. So we have, when we put a program letter out to our strategic partner firms each year with the, with the questions and the requirements around the law firm diversity program, we um, also ask for um, them. We, we have a clear definition of diverse uh, for attorneys, and we define diverse attorneys as women, Racial and ethnic minorities, including attorneys who are Black, African American, Latino, Hispanic, Asian, Native Hawaiian, or other Pacific Islander, American Indian, Alaska Native, or a mixed race, openly gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender, disabled, and U.S. military veterans, people who have served in active military, naval, or air service, and discharged or released under conditions other than dishonorable. So those all count as diverse attorney hours as we, um, within the program. Okay, great. 
Um, and what are your diversity requirements for outside counsel? Is this a time to tell me a little bit more about the LFDP? Sure, I think so. Okay. Jason, you want to start and I'll Sure. So our requirements, uh, it's probably not the, I, would, I don't know that I would really call them requirements. What we really try to do is encourage our partners to bring the best people forward. And when they're doing that, we want them to bring the, you know, many perspectives forward because our research tells us that when you bring teams that have diverse perspectives, uh, you, you get better outcomes and you get better value. So, you know, I think Jennifer has given us the construct of, you know, kind of the categorizations that would qualify for diverse, but the way that plays out is in many different ways. So, for example, um, our litigation team, they really like to see somebody diverse in either the first or the second chair. And over the last few years, they, I believe that potentially north of 90% of their matters that have put out, been put out to comparative bid have had a diverse person in either the first or the second chair. And so that is something that they really look at when they're figuring out who they want to work with. We are in the process of trying to bring more of those insights into the selection process more broadly. So our litigation team, um, their docket tends to be an impact docket. And so they have, you know, a reasonable number of matters, but they often tend to be higher ticket. And so that means that they can invest a fair amount of administrative overhead in trying to do the things we're talking about, to look very closely at who their partners are are. Where that becomes more challenging for us potentially is where we have more diffuse spent. And so some of the things that we're doing are trying to bring more insights to our uh, responsible professionals who engage directly with outside counsel to bring those insights into our matter creation system so that people start to have some sense of what is the composition of the part of the uh, the partner that they're working with. So let me let me net that out a little bit. So at the high end, uh, we do some specific things because, uh, you know, we we invest pretty deeply in the engagements and, and looking at, you know, who the part, who who we're partnering with and what the composition is. What we're really trying to work through is how do we bring more of those insights into people who have smaller, more granular spend? And the thing that we're ultimately trying to pull through is some more opt-in, for lack of a better term. We want our partners to bring those people with those perspectives forward. And that's where you see programs like LFDP, which creates a reward structure uh, for people to actually bring those folks to the uh, to our work because it ends up being economically advantageous for them to do so. Great. So what incentives then have you used in the past to improve outside council diversity? So the law firm diversity program has been in place now since 2008. And originally it was focused on uh, a bonus. It's it, it, And it still is a bonus. Um, the idea is that we pay, I think it's still up to 2% of the legal fees billed uh, to Microsoft for the for the uh, organization that had the highest level of performance in different categories that they report out on. Originally, the reporting categories used to be about diverse attorneys working, either diverse attorneys in the firm or diverse attorneys working on Microsoft Matters. Um, in 2015, and all of this information is on Microsoft.com, if you go to Microsoft.com and search Law Firm Diversity Program, the first link will send you to a page that has more background. And uh, and and includes the <clears throat> the program uh, changes that we made in 2015. In 2015, we um, 
we actually pivoted to focus exclusively actually on uh, leadership. So the aspects of the firm's leadership. So leading the management of the firm, leading the law firm's relationship with Microsoft, and then leading Microsoft legal matters. So partners who were working on Microsoft legal matters. <clears throat> and, um, and so then in 2000, 18 or 19, we decided that, you know, we wanted to continue to focus on the management, the legal management and and partner diversity, but also we didn't want to lose track of whether diverse attorneys, non-partners were working on our matters. And so we added those metrics back in, in 2018. Okay. Is that about right, Jason? Anything you want to correct or add? No, that, that sounds accurate. So it's a 2% um, reward of 2% of all legal fees billed to Microsoft for that firm for the year? It is yep. a reward of up to. So up to. so the way uh, – yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, so so the the way it works is there are several categories, uh, and it's as Jennifer noted, it is heavily indexed on leadership. So not necessarily what is the composition of the people, uh, you know, just doing the work, but also what is the composition of that firm's leadership, of leadership of the relationship, of leadership of the matters, uh, and then the the the, the specific uh, amount of contribution of the the people who are actually doing the work also uh, plays into that. But it is heavily indexed on the leadership aspect, and it is a sliding scale. And what we do is we actually raise the bar uh, periodically so that to get the bonus, the our partners have to keep finding ways to improve where they are. But the goal is to also have some areas where you know, just market improvement, even if you're not starting from a great place, can also still earn you some uh, bonus amount. So to, to be clear, not every participant gets that. It is the, this is the goal is to create incentives for people to actually perform, not just participate. And so we do actually try to put in uh, gates that unlock more of that reward if they accomplish what we think looks like success. And this year too, we decided that if they were not performing as well as we'd like that, you know, even paying a smaller bonus, if they only achieved a bare minimum, there's a bare minimum now of points. To, I, I think this is the point Jason was making that they have to get to get any bonus at this point. Okay. So, th so there are sometimes participants I'm sorry, not participants, but um, within your sort of core firms that may not get a reward at all. And there are some that would get reward based on a metrics that you have. Is that right? It is. It is. Correct. Okay. <laughs> Do you, is, is the metrics that you use, is that on your website or is that something that's more confidential and private? That is not something that we publish out, but okay. um, I think Jennifer and I can evaluate if uh, there is a version of that that we could make available. One thing that might be useful for folks is to at least see the, the template, uh, even if we don't provide the specific numbers. And I could be wrong, but I, I think we have... Uh, I don't know that we published out the specific um, kind of scoring sheet, for lack of a better term, but um, I believe in the past we have given uh, people some granular view on the specific elements of it so that people can see that. So um, Jennifer and I are happy to take that offline and see if there's a version of uh, what we what we basically use as the, the, the scoring template to share that more broadly. 
Yes, Great, I'm thank sorry. You. Uh, Teams kicked me off and I'm back. Oh, okay. Well, he just volunteered you for a bunch of things. Oh, I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, well, thank you. I would appreciate you looking into that too, because it could be helpful for, um, for evaluation. Um, you know, I, and how, how do you measure success? Have you seen change based on this program? We have, and we can send you um, a couple of blogs. On the 10th anniversary, we, um, Dev Solkoff, our general counsel, uh, issued a blog that talked about the success that we have seen so far in terms of, you know, we we, we say that we think they're, um, they're connected. We're not sure they're 100% correlated to our program. It could be other things that they're doing to on their own, of course, outside of working for Microsoft that has contributed to the uh, improved diversity numbers that we're seeing. Um, but I don't, I, I'm struggling. I should have brought up this blog before, but maybe Jason, you have it at your fingertips, but um, we've definitely seen the, the percentage of attorneys, diverse attorneys working on Microsoft has increased at least double digit. And in the partners, in the leadership ranks, we've also seen um, since 2015, when we started measuring this, we've also seen increased um uh, numbers in terms of partner uh, partners leading the Microsoft Matters and then uh, Microsoft relationship and then partners leading on Microsoft Matters. Um, I will find you again. It's probably connected to the the web page. If you search law firm diversity program, you'll probably find the blog. Oh, there it is. It's actually a link. Um, and we do um, we say yes. Go ahead. Sorry, Jason. If you have more. In this blog, we say that the percentages of hours uh, worked by diverse lawyers on Microsoft Matters have increased from 33% to 58%. Um, most law firms participating in the program earn their bonuses each year. Um, and we um, have seen diverse representation on management committees increase from 31.2% to 39.7%. Increase in diversity in overall partner ranks from 33.2% to 35.9%. And then I think uh, the interesting thing, Jason talked about litigation and leading um, or second chairing Microsoft in litigation. Um, in the last three years, we've had diverse first or second chair in 90% of the litigation matters large enough to be subject to bidding, which is a pretty good, I think, statistic. Great. Great to see the benefits and the, you know, the fruits of your work here. <laughs> like, like I said, um, we can't necessarily say it's 100% uh, correlated, but we, we do think there is a connection to what we're driving. Well, I certainly think so. Um, do you use any disincentives? I, I would say that there is a very implicit disincentive, which is <laughs> – so let's take the litigation context because it makes it very easy to put uh, in stark relief. If you're not bringing somebody uh, diverse as either your first or second chair person, I don't like your odds of getting the work. So I would say – <laughs> we, we we have a disincentive, which is as we are able to pay more attention to who is doing our work with more granularity, I expect that we will see that composition continue to better reflect and mirror the composition of society. And if firms can't bring teams that <laughs> represent the composition of society, I think the disincentive will be they'll just have less access to our work. And Jason has been consistently improving the tools available to the frontline attorneys who are making decisions about 
the kind of outside counsel that they want to hire for their work. Um, and more of this information about, you know, diversity metrics will become more easily available to people at the time that they're making their decisions. And so there's no, you know, uh, well-defined stick, but there's certainly the, like Jason said, implicit in all of this is that this is matters to us and that the firms that are, are in, you know, leaned in and making progress are just generally more likely to get more Microsoft business. With with the firms that are not in the, I forgot what you called it, the SPP, SDP, the uh, SPP, SPP, um, that aren't in there. I mean, how do you? You mentioned opt in, Jason. Like, how how do you how do you approach that um, from the perspective of like the smaller firms or the more you know niche type scenarios? Well, is it so at the discretion of the relationship manager or the hiring um, in house counsel? Well, so one thing that we try to do is we try to have a, a fair, a material amount of spend that goes to minority and women-owned businesses every year. So a lot of the small firms that we deal with who would not be in our strategic partner program, they are those MWBE firms. So that's one way that we try to really, you know, kind of put our money where our mouth is. And we have, you know, internal targets that our executives see where we try to make that spend real. It is more complicated when you get into, uh, let's just call it the, the middle and the other kind of kind of granular elements. Um, be, because in many instances, you have a sum of, of small parts. And so that gets back to where, uh, what Jennifer was talking about, where in one of our goals is to make it easier for our people who control that spend to very quickly ascertain, is this a partner who seems to be bringing those perspectives to our work? And we have a, I, I will be very clear, we have a lot of work to do to make that effective. Um, we're just kind of crawling, but we get a little bit better at that every day of being able to actually surface information about partners to the people who control the spend. The trick for us is figuring out a way to surface that, you know, before someone, you know, makes and is committed to a decision and give them a version of that information that truly informs that decision. So again, like I, I think we have a long way to go, but we're starting to figure out how to do this so that we actually can kind of reach into that middle where so much of our, our spend lives. I would, I would also just add, we publicly have committed to spend at least $100 million, uh, with women and minority, WIMBY, what we call WIMBY, Women and Minority Business Enterprises. Um, and we've made that commitment for the last several years. And so that, is, that does get to some of the smaller firms as well. Okay. I'll, I'll, note, uh, so I'll I, just note that that $100 million is, is in the aggregate. That is not uh, in one year. Oh, oh aggregate. Since, sorry, since 2010, yeah. we spent yes. more than $100 million. Um, but we do have a commitment, I'm sorry, on an annual basis as well. So one, I guess one question, um, follow-up question on that is internal targets. Is this something that is measured internally? Um, for performance purposes, or is it just more of a, a goal or a guideline? Not the commitment, but generally improving the diversity and when engaging outside counsel. So it, it is measured and it is reported out at the highest levels. And it, I, I, I would say that uh, 
there's a lot of executive attention on this. And when the numbers are bad, uh, people, <laughs> uh, people pay attention. Um, and okay. so again, I wouldn't say that there is a, a hard, uh, internal, uh, you know, bonus or metric attached to that. But I, I will tell you that Jennifer and I get to have a lot of conversations with the different practice groups. And when, for example, their, uh, uh, WM, their Wimby spend starts to deviate from kind of where they were expecting it, people, you know, get concerned about that and like, well, what, what should we do? How can we contribute? How do we, how do we kind of, you know, bridge this gap? And so I think the executive attention is very effective in driving uh, focus and behavior. That's great. That's great. Um, have you considered any other, you mentioned you're always looking at different um, sort of, I guess, programs or different elements of the program. I, I think you said that um, and always looking to kind of improve. Is there anything else that you looked at that you think would be effective that you haven't implemented yet? Well, I, this year, we added a couple of questions um, that are not necessarily tied to bonus, but are at least laying a foundation for us to think about how we might think about evolving the program. Um, we've added a question around origination fees and how origination fees and credits get um, determined and allocated. So it's just an open-ended question. We also asked um, questions about what innovative things the firms are doing to improve diversity and inclusion within their organization or even the uh, legal profession more broadly. So we're consistently, you know, we try not to, we try to keep the program stable for at least three year increments so that people kind of have an expectation of what we expect and how we think about tying bonuses. Um, but, you know, so we've really only made two major changes to the law firm diversity program, but um, in the last 10 years. But um, on top of that, um, Jason and I partnered and had a uh, trusted advisor uh, uh, workshop with our strategic partner firms just on the topic of diversity and inclusion. So we brought in all of the diversity, chief diversity officers of our firms to come in and talk about what they were doing and to share with one another what they're doing because, you know, we feel like this, you know, rising tide floats all boats and that this is an opportunity for our strategic partner firms to um, collaborate with one another to address this issue. So, and we're going to continue to have those kinds of conversations um, to help see where we should take the program and also where, where we might, you know, evangelize best practices that are helping to really move the needle. So I think Jennifer actually gave you something that is a hidden gem in what she was just talking about, which is, so many law firms are, they're, they're competitive. And I mean that in a very constructive and healthy way. And when you have conversations with them individually, so, you know, one, one-on-one, -on -one, that is a different experience than when you bring them together and they see what their peers are doing and they start saying like, oh, wow, maybe we should do that too. And so it changes the dynamic. And as a general matter, if you're trying to shape and change and evolve the behavior of your partners. One thing I would encourage anybody who's trying to think about, you know, a different engagement strategy is to shake things up on occasion. And this doesn't work every time, but actually bring those conversations to a common place where there is real sharing that's happening because something changes when you do that. Because it is often the case that when you deal with them individually, it's very easy to get lawyered by them. 
you know, where they'll, they'll say all the words that you want to hear and you walk away going like, oh, that's great. And then nothing changes. But when they fear, when they feel that uh, there is somebody else who's going to outperform them, that really does change and shape their behavior. Mm-hmm. I, I 100% agree with that. I mean, you know, we have a diversity uh, award we give to uh, law firms. Um, I don't know if Star- if, I, um, if Microsoft does that. Do you have an award? Besides, you, you have that. I mean, you have this program. I'm just wondering if you have like sort of a recognition award of any kind. We um, the the winner the the highest the the, the highest point gathering uh, firm does get um, we do a blog about them and we place an ad in Corporate Council magazine. On top of that, with the new questions we're asking around what things they're doing to innovate in this space, we're going to have an award, which actually they're all going to vote on themselves. Um, yeah. <laughs> to to the most innovative firm, and we'll broadly advertise that as well. But that that's the closest to an award I think that we'll be we'll be giving. Yeah, which you know, and you're doing you're doing kind of more in a sense of just giving an award. You're giving you know a bonus incentive to them. Um, the reason I bring it up is you know, in my experience, I haven't been on the diversity committee here very long because I was on the pro bono committee for a long time. Um, but I'm involved now in the law firm survey, and I always think there's a benefit to Jason, as you pointed out, the competitive nature of firms um, to sharing out what we found as far as programs go that we thought were really innovative and great to encourage other firms, right, who are competitive to implement those same programs like pipeline programs and whatnot. Um, so I just was curious about yeah. whether, whether you shared those learnings as well. And one of those, one of the things that, you know, Jason mentioned about them being competitive, but one of the things they gave back to us as a part of this uh, trusted advisor summit workshop on diversity and inclusion was that what really mattered to the firm's leadership was, you know, maybe the bonus helps in some ways, but what really mattered to them was that they knew Microsoft actually cared and was looking at this and was likely making decisions on work based on what they were doing. And so that they knew that at the highest levels of the firm that this really mattered to Microsoft and Microsoft was an important uh, cl- client. So more than anything, having your senior leadership express the importance of this to Starbucks, to your firms, will go a long ways to communicate how important that is to them. And, th- and that made the most difference to them. Thank you. Um, I want to be respectful of your time. Thank you so, so much for your time and valuable information. I really appreciate it. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add. So I think we'll end up uh, dropping some links to some of the elements that uh, Jennifer made reference to in the show notes. But I want to thank you for being so brave and having this conversation <laughs> with us uh, and being willing I, to share it out. Because as uh, Jennifer and I were remarking uh, before we, we started chatting, uh, we're all working on this, you know, in so many different companies, so many different organizations. And so we have this conversation again and again, and we're, we're hoping that this just helps accelerate people in their journey. Well, it's great. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, Microsoft is doing a lot that's, you know, great, you know, in this field um, and putting their money where their mouth is. I don't know that all companies do that, right, or can do that or is willing to do that. And the the fact that it goes all the way up to executive leadership, um, you know, I think all executive leaders would say, oh, yeah, I, you know, I'm a proponent of diversity, but it's different, right? It's different what Microsoft is doing. And I think it's fabulous. Thank you. Really appreciate you, like Jason said, reaching out and asking the questions. It's been great. Oh, 
Well, thank you so much for your time and providing the answers. Um, you know, and, and you know, I'd say, Jason, I'm doing some benchmarking with other companies, and I'd be happy to share that with you both if you'd like. That would be wonderful. I, I will uh, note that Jennifer and I have been the beneficiary of some excellent ideas from Starbucks that we may <laughs> have integrated into our approach. And so oh. we very much look forward to uh, learning from you and working with you to drive this forward. Perfect. Well, thank you so, so much and have a great day. And Jason, I hope to see you soon and hope to meet you soon too, Jennifer. Thanks. Same right. here. Take care. Thanks all. Bye. Bye.